You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Alright, welcome into the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Neil Sheth, and he is the sports PT for the Leander Wolfpack of the TUFA Minor League Developmental League. Neil, welcome in. Hey Chase, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. So Neil, for those of you, or for those of people that are listening that don't know who you are, why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm Neil Sheth. Uh, I'm a sports physical therapist based in uh, Austin, Central Texas area. Technically, it's Cedar Park, but most of us will say Austin. Um, I went to school in University of the Sciences in Philly. I did both undergrad and grad school there. Um, it was a direct program, so as long as I maintained my uh, GPA, I kind of went right into the, the PT part. Um, and then I ended up in Texas because I wanted to do a residency right out of school. Um, and I ended up doing it through evidence in motion. And that's plan was always to move back to the East Coast. But once I got here, I liked the weather and I just a lot of opportunities opened up here and it kind of forced me to stay. I actually found out about Neil through Twitter. Um, he had this very interesting tweet. Um, it was kind of his reflection back on, uh, you know, he's I think it was like five years out past graduation and stuff and his journey. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about that journey? Oh, that's fair. Um, I mean, throughout PT school, I mean, it was just a good reflection over the last five years. A lot of my friends I made in PT school were also graduating. So I was in a fraternity and some of the, the kids I mentored through there graduated. Um, so like looking back and, and, you know, some people don't pass the NPT on the first try or the specialty exam on the first try. And, and people get into very tough place mentally and don't know what to do. And with that, I kind of just reflected on kind of the hardships I had, or I felt like I had to get trying to get to where I wanted to be. And looking day to day, things just seem so hard and far, but you just keep putting in the work. And once you look back, it's like, wow, look at look at all I've done. And I don't know about you. But I mean, a lot of me and my close friend groups, I don't think we really took a lot of time to really like kind of look back and see everything we did. And when you just take that like five, 10 minutes, just a short reflection and you just see this long list of accomplishments that no one really kind of congratulated you for or gave you credit for. I was like, wow, I'm moving on a path that I wanted to may not happen in this right timeline, but it's, it's where I wanted my career to go. And I think that's so easy to, uh, it's so hard to give ourselves credit and so that reflection, um, I talked in the last episode about reflecting on our goals and stuff, but also reflecting back on what we have accomplished, especially, you know, most of the people listening are physical therapists, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm a PT now, but I think we forget, or it's easy to forget how much work we had to put in throughout undergrad and throughout PT school. And then studying for that, that damn NPTE that, you know, we have learned a lot and we've grown a lot. And accomplished a lot so that's actually a really um 
great perspective. And I really appreciated that because it was at a time where I was studying for the NPTE and I was like, man, am I cut out for this? And then I was like, wait, I have come quite a, a, quite a long way. So it was a, a very well-timed tweet. All right. So I wanted to dive a little bit good, deeper into, yeah, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into um, what drew you to sports, uh, sports PT in particular. So I actually did not plan on going to school, PT school. Um, I actually was accepted into the school I went to for a pharmacy. Um, my father's a pharmacist, but mm-hmm. before I showed up to my undergrad, my parents sat me down and were like, do you really want to do this? And pharmacy, it, me and pharmacy were not going to mix. So one of my mom's close friends, um, yeah, <laughs> one of my mom's uh, close friends was a physical therapist. So I shadowed her and was just so interested in how personal this is and getting to see someone go from step zero to wherever their goal is. So I called and I switched switched my major and they were completely cool with it. Um, and I never looked back since, right? That probably the best decision I could have made for, for my life. Um, so in college, I wasn't the best athlete in high school, but I was always interested in being active and liked being active. Um, I probably looked at myself as more like a late developer. I probably didn't get start getting gaining weight or getting faster, or getting stronger until college, um, where I took on bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, so seeing that side of sports and then some of the rotations helped me kind of delve more into the whole array of what sports PT could be. Um, really helped me realize that this is where I can't, I realized I would not be able to just sit and do a general outpatient clinic or neuro clinic or acute care. Like my love and my passion was totally in sports. What do you think makes sports so fulfilling to you? Because obviously you went through a residency and stuff. So um, what aspect of sports makes it so fulfilling? That's a good question. I think it's the the high the level that athletes want to achieve as far as being competitive and starting and playing and just being better than someone else on the field and the kind of the chaos that ensues on the field when they're playing their sport. There's just so much different things going on, right? As far as like agility, um, different movement patterns going on and trying to take someone, whether acute injury or post-op, taking them from that position and getting them ready to be back to that and ideally at a better level than what they were before. Um, that challenge and seeing them, that entire process was just very fulfilling. And that that's a very common answer among a lot of people that, you know, I've interviewed so far. And I think that's something I enjoy. Like, I mean, we get that with, you know, orthopedic PT, you get to treat someone that's has low back pain and that started yesterday and then you get to get them back to their job, back to everything else. But with sports, it's such a diverse or such a, I guess, stark difference. You know, you go from I tore everything up in my knee going back to sprinting 100 miles an hour at another human being. And that that difference is is pretty amazing to be a part of, you know. OK, so now that you're, you know, five years graduated and uh, you've been in sports for a, for a while, what's one challenge that you faced that you didn't expect when you got into sports in the first place? I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, but it's definitely, um, 
for those that want to be into the sports world, it's definitely at a certain point going to be more about who you know rather than what you know. Um, all right, there was a point where I started applying to more professional teams, like NBA and NFL jobs. Um, and a lot of the process was more the inner network of people of, hey, like this person worked with this team, they're going to move and that kind of thing versus, you know, everyone kind of has the same credentials. But at a certain point, the way you differentiate yourself is either doing internships or kind of doing a lot of free work. So, I mean, I guess that's probably the, the hardest challenge is being willing to do a lot of a lot of work that you're not going to get paid for, whether it be traveling, whether it be spending money on on con ed stuff. Um, and just putting yourself out there to get your face and talk to people um, that you may not have otherwise gotten that exposure to. And I think that's something I, I always ask that question because we come out of PT school as generalists. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed my time at PT school. I think I got a great education. University of Florida, go Gators, baby. Um, but I think that's something that schools kind of don't prepare people that want to get into sports is r- realizing how much extra work it is outside of. PT school. I was lucky enough to have a sports clinical rotation and like being and watching the residents there at the time, I was like, oh, wow, they are going and shadowing athletic trainers and they're doing lots of extra readings and stuff. And that's all stuff that, you know, I think PT school honestly probably shouldn't prepare you for because you're supposed to come out as a generalist. But those were expectations I didn't even know that I was supposed to have going into sports. So how long have you been working with the uh, Leander football team? Probably the entire... Fr- so I actually ended up uh, playing for them for three years. So I played... When I moved here, yeah, I played. Oh, wow. okay. and kind of the semi-pro world, most of these athletes don't have health insurance or they don't have really good access to health care in general. Um, so as I was playing, some, mm-hmm. some games I was the only medical person on the field. So whether it be our team or someone else on the other team getting hurt, I would have to like run over in my pads and and do what I could as far as assessment and, and triaging. Um, and then my second year, I actually, I tore my ACL in practice. So that year I kind of was just purely medical, kind of coachish position. And the third year I played one more to just show like, hey, like my knee's good. I can still run with these these kids one more year. And then last year or two um, was purely medical and kind of refining what my role is and how I want this position to be on the team. Okay. So I didn't know that you were um, basically um, like Michael Jordan playing GM and playing at the same time. When you, you know, went into a full-time medical role, you said that you're sometimes the only provider on the field. So are you like also the only provider when it comes to treatment? Like obviously there's surgeons and probably some physicians, but like, are you the only person that's providing like day-to-day medical coverage? Yeah. So my first three years with the team, there was an athletic trainer that was there as well, but she was, I mean, that wasn't her full-time job. So she wasn't there every, every game. Um, so, I mean, I, I was in residency at part mm-hmm. of this and I was, I mean, fresh out of school right? Just moved to a brand new state. So I'm like a fish out of water. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, trying to do the best I could. Um, but yeah, as far as day to day, this last season, I really took it upon myself to, to do the best I could and keep these guys healthy. Um, cause we ended up, we actually made a championship run and won the, the Texas state championship. Um, and 
my big goal for us was just to keep everyone as healthy as possible on the field as long as they could to make that run. Um, so yeah, the day to day was all me. Um, we have some strength coaches that help as well. And then I was at certain part still connected with the clinic I used to be at where I was a residency director. So some of the sports residents would also help. So I had a, a decent mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, pretty interesting. I've talked to a couple of other people and I don't think I've ever seen a sports medicine team structured like that, where it's just, you know, it's pretty much you and a couple of other people being generous, you know, with time. So you said you did your residency at EIM. So how well do you feel like that prepared you for being basically athletic trainer, EMT, PT for the team? The residency itself, I thought was amazing. I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. Learned so much, had great mentorship. Um, the, the mentors I had with, the only challenge there was I having field coverage. Because that residency, I was meant to actually go on as an orthopedic specialist. Because mm-hmm. they didn't know if they could house a sports specialist or a sports resident. Um, and at a certain point, I, was, I looked at my mentor and I was like, I want to do sports. And he was dual credential. And he's like, let's do sports. You want to do sports? Let's do sports. I was like, okay, cool. So then, yeah, so then he reached out to some of his (laughs) contacts. So um, I ended up being able to shadow a D3 college and a couple high schools in our area. Um, And there, I still today will shadow the athletic trainers um, around the area to continue learning more. Um, And I still learn so much from them. and then the residency, yeah, the EMR course is probably really good for the, the acute sideline management to whatever is in my scope of practice. Now that you've been through all of this and, you know, you continue to um, work with athletic trainers in the local high schools, um, what is a, a key to making sure that PTs and ATs, you know, coexist well? Because I feel like oftentimes PTs don't want to step on ATs feet and ATs vice versa. What's a good way for them, for PTAT to coexist? Uh, it's, it's all communication. It's communication and trust are probably the biggest things. When I, uh, so I moved out of that residency director position to start my own clinic and go more cash-based. Um, and when I moved, I reached out to several of the local athletic trainers in the high schools here. Um, and they, some of them referred some athletes to me, which I was very thankful for. But the biggest thing that they were, I want to say, appreciative of is just the communication. Hey, like, I don't want, I, when I met with them, is I don't want to step on your toes. I'm here for any additional help. If you need something's not going well with an athlete or it's a little bit more chronic and long term and you need help, I'm, I'm more eyes, more hands to help with. Um, and when I would see some of their athletes right when they left or when I saw them for a, an eval or a visit, I would follow up with the AT like, hey, this is what I saw with them. This is what we worked on in the clinic. Um, th- I think they're good to start this at school. Or they would ask, can I add, let's see, like 100-yard sprints or whatever it might be. I don't know if that's the best example. but um, right. And then it's just that back and forth communication and just kind of demystifying like, oh, you're doing what I'm doing and I'm doing what you're doing. It's, it's not, we're all trying to just get the athletes better. That's the main goal. Um, and being, having an open communication and trust with each other, I think is what will help bridge that better. Okay. I think that's like the most common answer I've gotten. 
is, you know, just be communicative. And I think that can be applied, you know, not just in sports, but in all areas of probably just healthcare. And why don't you tell us Definitely. a little bit more um, about maybe one of, so you said you guys made a run to the championship for the, is it Texas United Football Alliance? I think it's association, but yeah. There's a few leagues here. Association, okay. So is it semi-pro and do people like come out of college or are they allowed to come out of high school? How is that structure set up? So it could be either. So some so some players are former NFL players. Like the first dude I covered because I played DB, he, he was like on the Chiefs practice squad. And I was like, what is going on here? Absurd athlete. <laughs> I was just this random kid that just moved to Texas covering him. Um but yeah, some some kids will use it as a gap year that come out of college or come out of high school and they may have not gotten the looks that they wanted. Um, so they'll use the team as as a way to get mm-hmm. film and apply to a college because they don't there's no money involved there. So it doesn't violate any NCAA things and the team's very the coaching staff and the management's very keen on that so they can be eligible. Um, some of it's some pro mm-hmm. players that may not be playing in the league, but want to continue playing at like a higher level, maybe not flag football, but, you know, very competitive football. Um, and some players are pe- maybe free agents that just need film still and want to get back to the league. So it's, it's a good mix. College, high school, pro, like it's, it's a very wide mix, but very competitive at the same time. Um, with the Leander Wolfpack, we, we have a page on our, on the website for the alumni there are several players from that team have, that have gone on to play in college now. Um, actually, the coaches this weekend are going up to California to watch him play, um, which is really exciting. Um, and some of the other players have gone on to an assistantship or a, a coaching position at either a high school or a college. So I would say it's more like a springboard in my pro world. I've never really heard of this league before. Um, and so it's pretty interesting that it has such a wide variety of you can get some 18-year-old kid that wants to get into college versus some 28-year-old guy that, you know, may have torn his ACL and is now trying to work his way back up into back into the league. So I'm sure it's very – I'm sure there's like a wide variety of outcomes in those leagues. So kind of speaking more broadly and stepping back to PT, um, what to you makes a great sports PT? That is a good one. <laughs> Uh, good sports PT. I think it's understanding. It's probably more of having an open mind, being being willing to know that you could be wrong and that something else could be better for this athlete, understanding what the demands of that sport are, um, whether it be like right position specific, energy system, understanding what the demands of that sport and that athlete need and being willing to ask for help when you need it and willing to reflect on yourself like, Hey, like I might not be the best person for this person or this athlete, or I need some more, I need another set of eyes to help me see what I'm missing. So I think being open in that kind of realm is what will make you either as a sports PT or just a a PT in general will make you better and help those around you grow as well. Okay. So looking more into that, where you said like, you know, position specific or sports specific, um, obviously you just work with football, but let's say if you wanted to work with other athletes, how do you go about trying to understand the demands? Like, let's say you have a lacrosse player or a swimmer. Um, what are some methods you go and ask the athlete to figure out 
what they need exactly to get back into playing. Yeah, so for them, I'll ask what their position is. I'll I'll do my own research as far as watching the sport. Um, I mean, I, I like enjoy I enjoy watching tons of sport. So hopefully, at some point, I've seen them play or seen that that sport played. Um, but asking what their specific needs are, mm-hmm. what kind of moves they need, what their goal is in in their position, right? Um, and lucky enough, we uh, when I was doing the residency thing we had a section where we were having all the residents make needs need up need analysis analyses. Um, right. So different sports. Yeah. Different sports. So it's all out there. Kind of what demands, what are common injuries? What are the energy systems that are dependent in that sport to be successful? So that network and framework I have back there to, to pull out whenever I need is also really helpful. Yeah. That's a, that's a common question that I often face because um, okay. I have an ACL patient that is an offensive lineman, and I am obviously not an offensive lineman. He weighs me by about 200 pounds. So I, it's just like, how do I envision myself in his shoes and like figure out what he needs to be able to do to compete at a high level? Just linking it back to energy systems and asking them what specific positions they might actually be in and what movements they might have to do is, is a great way to, to look at it. To even uh, add on to that, right, if you watch their position, right, you see, like, the different knee angles, knee hip angles that they're going to be in, right, it's not going to be the same performance metrics as as a running back or even, like, a tight end. Um, so being able to see those angles and train those angles in the clinic is going to be the key for you. So I kind of want to bring it back a little bit more. Um, so what is one of your best memories or best, you know, the highlights from, I guess, let's say the past year working with the Leander uh, Wolfpack? Uh, it has to be the championship. This, uh, if you guys can find it on YouTube, maybe I'll try and send you the link if you want. But So we were actually down with two minutes left. The score was, we were losing to a team, the North Texas Stampede, which is in Texas, like the perennial championship team. It was probably like the, the Patriots of the 2000s. So we were losing to this team 40 to 26 with two minutes left. And we ended up scoring like 20 points, 22 points or 15 points in like two minutes to win the game. It was an absurd comeback and just being able to be with the team and watch that happen is probably one of the best memories I could have. I'm personally a Bears fan, so I don't really get too many of those comeback stories. So that sounds amazing. Oh, I'm a Raiders fan, but this year it's it's going well. The defense finally looks like they know what they're doing. I got a couple more questions. So what's one way you continue to grow and continue to learn? Um, I know a lot of people say like Con Ed, um, but is there any other ways that you, you know, continue to, you know, hone your craft or, you know, sharpen your skills? Yeah. So since I kind of branched out on my own and started the business, it's been I, I meet with a group of other cash PTs in Austin um, and we kind of bounce ideas as far as business side. Cause I mean, PT school really doesn't prepare you in that realm. So it's reaching out to, to that network for, so some, we range that, that group ranges from people who've been working for, I think a year and a half, two years um, to just starting out. And I'm kind of like in the middle of that group. So learning how to build a practice and build a business and how it should run and scale it to a place where it's profitable and you can live comfortably. 
um, has been really good as far as helping me continue to grow and learn. Um, the other ways also piggybacking off them and friends from PT school is, is, um, just asking like, Hey, like I'm seeing this kind of patient. What do you think? It's, it's really as simple as that. And just continuing that maintaining that network. There, there are so many con ed locations that you can just learn things from, but I think some, some places that are starting to become like a really good hub, like the, the sports section on the APTA is a really good hub and they've revamped it so much. Um, is a really good location to just stay in one spot and learn versus overwhelming yourself with everything that's out there. I think that's pretty good advice because I'm a new grad. And so trying to figure out like good evidence and find good evidence and trying to stay on top of it is, is pretty overwhelming. So, you know, trying to have a good resource to be like, okay, I can stay here and I can learn a lot is, you know, is probably ideal. All right. And then the last question I got for you is, Oh, to even add on to that, Chase. Oh, sorry, Chase. Um, even to add on, like, I know you're on Twitter. Twitter's a great way. Twitter, so many big PT names, kind of the, like, people I even looked up to getting going through school, they're just so accessible. People are so open to just helping and talking to you, or even just, like, following threads. Like, there's such great communication on Twitter. If you can get past, like, the random banter people have with each other and, like, the ego part, there is some really good information on there that you're yeah. hearing kind of firsthand and can even ask firsthand. Um, so if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, I, this is like the third or fourth time Twitter has come up. So, and that's pretty much how I found almost every guest for, that I've recorded with the show. I have a couple more lined up and I'm pretty sure they're all from Twitter. So um, I love Twitter. It sometimes can be a cesspool for misinformation and, and bad you know, bad political takes, but for the most part, Twitter is great for, you know, it's a way I've continued to learn and, you know, reach out to different people. So, all right, last question, Neil, for you. Um, I want you to walk us through a game day of the Leander Wolf Pack. Let's say a home game day. Okay. Home game days. So the thing with semi-pro football is you have to, rent a field and it's kind of whoever has availability. So this past season we were in Gerald, Texas, which is like 30, 40 minutes North of where we typically would play. So game day would involve me just preparing. Nine day would involve that entire game. I usually get there around game would kick off at seven. I would get there, leave the house around three, get there by three 45, four o'clock um, from four to seven. It's all just assessments, any return to play or on-field assessments to make sure this player is good to go. Um, some players may have an injury or like an ache that's been going on. So whatever treatment I deem is necessary or I think it's in my scope to perform right there to get them going um, is that while they're getting in and out of their um, team meetings, right, all their position meetings, offense, defense, um, receiver meetings, DB meetings, all of that. So kind of inner working and working with um, that timeline of events with the coaches. Um, and then seven o'clock kickoff happens. I'm kind of on the sideline, just there. If anyone needs anything, someone's on the field for a long term, not getting up. I run over what's going on, right? 
perform the assessment, like triage them if they need to get out of here. Some some players I've had to send to the ER. Um, some players, I mean, they don't need to go to the ER, but obviously they they've torn something, so they're they're no go right now. Um, and others just giving them ideas of what to do or treat um, to get them back in the game, maybe in the second half, and also communicating that with the coaches what the game plan is here. Um, usually by the end of the game, seven o'clock or ten o'clock rather, that's my role and my job is basically done. So at that point, I'm I'm out of there, and then it goes into Sunday morning where anyone that has any pains that they woke up with or something that they didn't ask about during game day. Um, I kind of keep my schedule open to, to assess them in the clinic. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's been, um, you know, a very different inside look. We've talked to a couple other people. Um, so it's interesting to hear from, you know, a semi pro team where you're basically running the show. You don't have a whole team behind you, but it sounds like you do a great job, you know, kind of manning and holding down the fort for an entire team. All right, Neil, that's all the questions I had for you. Um, do you have anything, any sort of social media that you would like to plug? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram. My Instagram's uh, N1 Sports Rehab. Um, I think I make some funny posts sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm most active on. It's the same. Oh, sorry. It's the same uh, handle on Twitter as well, if you guys wanted to follow on Twitter. Okay, I'll make sure I link everything down below so you can follow Neil. Neil, you've been a great guest. You've been super, you know, informative, and you know, I'm really great grateful that you, you know, were able to communicate with us and uh, we were able to organize a time to talk. Um, so that is it for the latest rehab episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guest Neil, or want to hear more episodes from great future ones, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening. Every like and subscribe means more than you know.
Thank <laughs> you.